help us, you know, we, we want to get to the next level. Let's bring in an ERP, you know, because we've been told that this is going to help us, you know, double our size. And suddenly you find this lack of process because it's people processing technology that supports them. And they, they, they are all over the place. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Did you know that only 10% of the sellers on Amazon generate over 100,000 a year? And while 90% of the sellers have the same complexity as their peers at $100 million, they don't have the same deep pockets to spend the money on integration and IT. While the options they have access to may not be perfect, they need a quick way of syncing data from across the channels and system. Also, at this scale, the strategy to somehow manage with a fragmented set of apps and web hooks-based integration is probably okay as your order volume is not as high. But how long can you survive on these apps? And when you might need to move to a slightly better system like ERP to have superior financial and inventory control. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss WebGility and its capabilities. We discuss their strengths and weaknesses and where they might fit in the e-commerce architecture. Finally, we discussed their syncing process their integration with other e-commerce solutions, and which e-commerce businesses will be the right customers for WebGility. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you joined for for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one solution or the vendor that we review independently. And we always have a exciting panel that is willing to share their wisdom and insights related to the product. So for today, we are going to be discussing a solution called WebGility. The name is sort of tricky to work with. And then we are going to find their place where they reside in the architecture in the e-commerce world. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. And uh, everything that we do, e-commerce is at the heart of it. And obviously, any of the e-commerce solutions are near and dear to our On that note, I am going to move to Dave for his intro. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business 
working with leaders in manufacturing, construction, and cannabis to help them create systems to achieve operational excellence and grow their business. Thanks for having me, Sam. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Uh, Robert, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. My name is Robert Brown. I have 20 years experience in e-commerce and digital. I focus on the customer experience to help drive profits for small and medium-sized businesses. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. And before we start with the Fit Today's solution, if you're in the audience and uh, joining for the first time, we typically cover the comments during the show. So if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, our panelists are going to review them during the show. And if you cannot get to them during the show, we'll make sure that you receive your answers. On that note, I am going to start with a little brief today because obviously, the web agility solution is not as big, but we are going to be comparing them with some of the other solutions that we have covered in the past. So the way, and it's always very, very, very interesting the way these solutions try to position themselves. And we have reviewed uh, Escubana and Robert, you can help me here. Uh, and we have reviewed Zentel and it's always very confusing overall what is their place in the architecture? But one of the things that I really like about WebGLD, they have been extremely clear in their ecosystem. So sometimes it gets very confusing when you look at these solutions, and then you are going to think that, okay, is your place going to be the $100,000 revenue? Is it going to be a million-dollar revenue? Or is it going to be a billion-dollar revenue? Now, these three are very different business buckets. They have very different transaction volume. And if your database is not really designed for that kind of volume, obviously the product is not going to work. Not every vendor in the market is going to be crystal clear about that, but WebGility has been extremely clear that they play in the QuickBooks and zero ecosystem. And that's how every vendor that is sitting on some sort of uh, accounting system or the ERP, if you're going to be talking to an accounting system, then you need to clarify yourself. Okay, what is your play? What is your place? So in the in, in the case of WebGility, they have been very clear. Now, when you look at the competition, I have read the material. And again, in my mind, I think I find it very confusing overall, just because these companies are trying to do a lot in general. But overall, the way I see it is, since these quick the merchants or the Amazon businesses that are not going to have the real ERP option because Obviously, you, you cannot afford the implementation cost. So for them, this is going to be a great solution. And the QuickBooks in combination with something like WebGility, you know, is going to be a great solution. But obviously, you are not getting the full-blown ERP. There is no way anybody can provide the ERP unless you pay as much as the ERP companies are charging. But for the short term, when you have that low volume, at that time, you might be okay in acting as sort of the e-commerce arm, integrating with the QuickBooks. So this is going to be very, very, very sort of small ERP minus inventory uh, capabilities, uh, just integrating directly with the accounting and the transactions. But they do a little bit of the, the marketplace automation as well. But then when we look at their some of the partners, they are integrating with some of the other ones, for example, Channel Advisor. So they have some native capabilities, but they also partner with things like Channel Advisor, which is going to have far deeper capabilities when you are talking about integrating 
with marketplaces. They like to position themselves as more of the single source of truth. Now, when you talk about single source of truth, it could mean a lot of different things, okay? But in their case, I think the way they are trying to position themselves as single source of truth is going to be that you are getting all of this data from multiple places, from e-commerce channels to, at one place. But that is still very, very, very sales channel centric functionality as opposed to the real ERP. You know, it's very channel centric functionality. So we need to sort of distinguish between, okay, what is e-commerce play? What is POS play? And what is the real ERP play? They are sort of in between. But for the most part, they, that the data and the source of truth that they are able to bring together is going to be related to your e-commerce. Uh, from the perspective of competitors, they compete with Skubana. That's my understanding. They compete with what else? Uh, Skubana, uh, Zentel, I'm not too sure because Zentel has a different play. Uh, but Zentel also likes to position themselves as slightly more e-commerce automation platform. So, guys, that's uh, for the briefing. Dave, Robert, comments? I thought I hit the button. I apologize. No? So <clears throat> accounting is incredibly important. Getting the right financial data and, and so many are flying by the seat of their pants and just really do not have the right line of sight into what's going into their 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 accounting. And it's it's... It can be devastating when they finally figure out where they are. So the fact that they're pulling the financial data is really important. I'm just a little confused about some of their integration partners and and what their intention is. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that, Robert, and in with you as well, Sam. I mean, I know you've got some slides later in the deck uh, that are going to cover this, but you know, for as as good of a job I think as they've done when you compare uh, their marketing side, uh, you know how they're positioning. Uh, there are some things uh, that leave you questioning the deeper that you start to get into this solution in terms of you know what that source of truth is. I, I think I saw some things in their marketing material related to uh, this being the single source of truth, but then you find out that uh, you know some of the the key functionality, especially when it gets to inventory control and things like that is is missing. Uh, so it's it's you know a bit confusing and it could be really misleading to somebody that's not able to ask or or understand the right questions to ask if if they're if they're looking at this as a potential solution. And absolutely and and for those that have dealt with Amazon, everybody understands that you know there is no reconciliation with Amazon. It just doesn't happen. You know, Amazon's their their own beast and they do whatever they're going to do. And when I looked at their um, help files, you know, as I went to their customer support and, and their, their fact files, it basically said, yeah, you just kind of have to write that off. So, you know, it's it's a little bit scary when looking at some of their reviews about how they're they're leaving some things on the table and we'll get to that later on in terms of some of the reviews and talking about like what they do with other the, ch the other channels so one of the and, and robert you can you probably have far more experience dealing with uh, you know some of these smaller e-commerce shops in my experience when i talk to these i don't think they really understand how inventory uh you know is supposed to work and how the accounting is supposed to work so when you are, let's say, under a million dollar, nobody really cares, to be honest, how you are doing your inventory and how you are doing accounting. But once you get to, let's say, 5, 10, 15 million dollar, 
that's when you are going to realize the real pain and you will uh, realize how important the inventory could be. But overall, you know, when you are simply connecting with QuickBooks, obviously you don't have any sort of uh, inventory control. You're simply writing, you know, on GL. <laughs> uh, the whole inventory control piece is typically missing. So, uh, you know, in your experience, have you seen that the whole inventory accounting is going to be important for these e-commerce merchants or not? No. So what ends up happening with what I have seen is folks that are kind of in the middle between those that are working on spreadsheets and those that have actually realized that they're at the pain point where they need to go to an ERP. So they are, they're kind of in this middle ground and they're doing 50 to 150,000 orders a year. That's a lot of transactions. And Mobility specifically talks about, yeah, that's a little bit more than our system can handle. And you actually have to like start doing batch processing with that kind of stuff. And, you know, some of the folks that I've dealt with is they decided, you know what, we're not going to import every single transaction into QuickBooks. We're just going to, you know, just do basically cash counting, which is not necessarily the right thing to do, but they're going to do cash accounting and just do like an end of day or end of quarter transaction into QuickBooks. And that's still leaving you a little bit blind. And so it's it's there's a lot of flying by the seat of your pants out there, partially because some of these vendors, or not these vendors, some of these, these retailers, these e-commerce companies don't have the right, the right accounting resources um, to actually properly account for what's going on. Some of them use like their their nephew and pay them money because they took an accounting class in college and think this is going to be okay and they're not specializing in e-commerce accounting which is a, a different beast yeah but just to be clear traditionally the way retail has been accounted always you the your accounting system does not even know the customer because erp systems are typically not designed for the retail accounting they are typically going to treat this as just another channel it's almost like a b2b buyer that's how it has all, and that's why you have the end of the day, uh, you know, accounting that, okay, you know, whatever is happening for the day, I don't even know which customers you are buying because these days you might have ERP that might be able to do credit, credit card transactions inside ERP. But for the most part, most businesses don't do that. It's just too much overhead. The ERP is going to be far more complex and that happens in, in your e-commerce. So whatever they are doing is great. But again, that's a very e-commerce and retail perspective. You know, you are not a real business if you are just an e-commerce shop. You know, when you become the real business, meaning you are going to have a little bit of B2B because your channels are going to be diversified. Even for retail business, they have a little bit of B2B component. And when you have that, you cannot operate like this. You have to have slightly thicker engine that is going to do a little bit of inventory control in the background. You're, you're absolutely right. One of the things that I have seen um, QuickBooks, and I am by no means a QuickBooks um, expert, is every new customer, they want you to create an account for that customer. So any transaction that comes in, it's like, oh, you've got a new customer. Let's let's create an account for them in QuickBooks. And many of your e-commerce, especially on Amazon, you're never going to see them again. And that that doesn't make sense. So you need to make sure that you're setting this up appropriately from the e-commerce standpoint. Sam, you nailed it. It's it's a whole lot different than you know a regular business that deals with the same accounts on month after month. 
Exactly, exactly. So let's get going, uh, you know, with our, our slides here. So here, I mean, they have been in the market since 2007. If you look at the product, the product has a little bit of legacy feel, to be honest. It's not newer like Skubana. Obviously, they are going to be deeper in the functionality because they have been in the market for longer than other newer players. And obviously, they are far more penetrated than any other players because they are going to be able to provide far more functionality than the newer players. So here they are saying that 10% of the sellers on Amazon generate over, uh, you know, 100,000 a year in sales. And, you know, that's their play. That's what they are saying, that if you are in that range where you are 100,000 in revenue, that's probably going to be 90% of the sellers. And that's who they are targeting. They are not targeting businesses that are going to be over 5, 10, because their needs are, are going to be very different. So if you're under $5 million, this is probably an amazing platform in general, because you are probably going to be on QuickBooks, you are going to be integrating with it. So here, you they are saying, you know, WebGLT is a single source of e-commerce truth. And they have been slightly clearer, and I like it, to be honest, okay? They are not saying truth, they are saying e-commerce truth. There is a difference. There is a little subtle distinction there, and which is right as well, okay? So e-commerce truth by connecting marketplaces, shopping carts, POS, and shipping solutions to QuickBooks for increased visibility. So I, I love the way they have positioned. Now, let's look at some of the other statements that they have made. We start with your financial system of record, which is QuickBooks or Zero in their case, and we connect it with the rest of your business apps, like your e-commerce platforms, POS, marketplaces, shipping apps, payments, and even your 3PL. But again, all of these apps are not complete business, okay? When you look at the business that is going to be $5, $10 million, that is going to have slightly different business processes from the fulfillment perspective, from the operations perspective. This is a very retail perspective. This is very e-commerce perspective. So right now, if you are a very small business selling on Amazon and eBay, this could be great. But once you grow, <laughs> then this is probably not going to be as, as great. So make sure you know where your the, the point is going to be when you need to consider a slightly superior solution. So here they are saying daily tasks like inventory updates are automated across your channels. Your shipping and purchasing is streamlined. In my opinion, that is slightly overstated. Even though there is a little, uh, you know, inventory update there across the channel, but this is not how the businesses would want their inventory to flow across the channels. Because when you talk about the real-time visibility of the inventory and even the asynchronous visibility of the inventory that's much deeper it requires far more infrastructure so obviously you are never going to get that but at least you have some thinking there overall from the inventory perspective the way their SKUs are synced they are this is not the the way you would want to run your business when you are 10 million dollar 15 million dollar but you know when you are 5 million dollar this could be okay uh you know overall from the thinking perspective so here they are saying your books are up to date which is a, a great value to be honest if you are a $5, you know, transaction business and you have, I don't know, man, 5,000 transactions a day, your bookkeepers are going to send, uh, you know, far bigger bills. So for them, I think this is a humongous value because now you can send all of these transactions in the QuickBooks and then you don't have to enter those records. They are going to be, the only thing you have to do is probably matching. You are not doing the data entry. So obviously they are saving a lot of time in general with that. Here, uh, less time on busy work. That's probably okay. So here they they are doing the accounting automation 
inventory sync, product transfers. They are doing all of that. But again, it's very QuickBooks play. Uh, they are saying inventory sync. But again, this is not the inventory functionality that you are going to see in ERP. It's really the products that you are going to have in QuickBooks. They are coming over. Uh, you know, that's the, the, the extent of the sync that we are talking about. Um, what else am I missing? The, the, the one comment that I would like to mention here is going to be that they can integrate natively with a lot of different channels, but they also have integration with things like, you know, channel advisor, which is dedicated for your multi-channel management. They are not going to have all the bells and whistles that are going to be channel specific. From the marketing perspective, they are going to have things from the accounting perspective, and that's where they, they might integrate with, with Channel Advisor, because if you are using a dedicated tool for your multi-channel management, then you know the Channel Advisor is going to play the role of the multi-channel management, and WebGility is going to be sort of your pseudo ERP. <laughs> hey, Sam, just one comment uh, on that syncing that you had brought up, you know, watching through watching some of the videos that they have available uh, online. It, it talks about their ability to control those sync times down to it looks like maybe about a 15 minute interval. But they're also quick to kind of warn you that the shorter the interval, the more potential issue there is for an overwrite of transactions uh, with those processes not completing. So, you know, something to be mindful of if you're thinking, again, back to your comment that this is going to be as robust as, you know, a fully integrated ERP uh, that has your typical inventory type controls, um, you know, something to be mindful of. Good, the information is flowing between systems, uh, but there are are some some you know significant limitations to uh, what's going to be customer facing and and the information you're going to have internally. Exactly, and that's a great point to be honest because this is not how your financial integrations are supposed to be done. So a lot of people might think that you know you are integrating. What's a big deal? You know you have two-way sync. I have never seen two-way sync with my SAP. Uh, so probably this is probably going to be superior. <laughs> so here's the problem. Number one. QuickBooks is very loose in general, in terms of the data integrity. You can do whatever you want with books, okay? It's not supposed to be as tight as your financial systems. And that's why people sort of like QuickBooks because you have a lot more flexibility, which could be okay. But when you talk about the financial control, you are not going to have that. And the point that you mentioned, Dave, is going to be super critical as well. Because when you are talking about overwriting of data because of the sync process, right? Again, when you design the sync process, this is not how you are supposed to be designing that your data is going to be corrupted, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because then I don't know how you are going to figure this out, right? So uh, again, this is a very poor man's integration. That's how you should be thinking about this. This is giving you a great flexibility because you don't have a choice to be able to do the enterprise integration. But there's no way you can run, uh, you know, 50 million, 20 million dollar business on this thinking. Yeah, I, I agree. Just uh, sorry, Robert, just just to add a quick point to that, though. Um, one of the things that I, I kind of found, uh, you know, almost scary, to be honest, and I understand the the kind of looseness of QuickBooks and your ability. But uh, from a from a user standpoint, I could see where this would be attractive. And, and in a couple of the videos, they talked about when you do this syncing process, you start off by doing it manually before you can push it to the automated 
and the ability for you to basically just hit an undo button and not have that data inside of your QuickBooks. And while from a user perspective, that may sound amazing because the comment was, you, you'll never have to worry about messing up your data from an auditing perspective and from a financial controls perspective, you would never want that to be in place. And the larger the company you are, uh, the more potential problem that that could get you into. So uh, again, back to that kind of financial controls and yes, smaller companies, 5 million, sub 5 million, uh, not nearly as critical. But when you start talking about, you know, having a, a sizable company, that's something that uh, we would never want to see from a financial financial controls perspective. Could not agree more. Robert? So one of the things I'm, I'm stymied with here is many of the tools that we're talking about, like QuickBooks, natively integrates with many of the e-commerce platforms that we're talking about. And so <clears throat> I'm a little confused if QuickBooks will integrate with eBay and Amazon and Shopify WooCommerce, Squarespace, Etsy, ShipStation, et cetera, then why am I using an intermediary to do that? Because QuickBooks is not going to be as friendly for the people who are doing order management. They are never going to like it. They require slightly friendlier platform that is designed more from the commerce perspective. So the argument that you are trying to make, to be honest, Robert, is going to be whether you should be routing your channel to your e-commerce or should you be uh, you know should they be going to erp the golden answer always is going to be it should always be erp the sooner you get to the erp the more controlled your processes are going to be okay but there is there are pros and cons to both of the approaches okay <laughs> so i don't know if that answers your question but <laughs> no I, and so i i i hear what you're saying it's just you know because you know the companies that are using this aren't at the erp level they're not at the NetSuite, SAP, you know, they're, they're not there yet. They want integrity in their financial data. They want to be able to get the right data that they need from these platforms into QuickBooks or Xero. But I don't know about Xero, but I know the QuickBooks will, will integrate directly with them. Looking at the screenshots, because I haven't used Webgility, um, I, you know, was introduced to them about a year ago, but I, I didn't use them. If I can go natively to an application as opposed to have an intermediary, my my first response is to go natively to a, a direct integration. And so I guess I don't know what the delta is for each business of what they're integrated with, what QuickBooks natively integrates with, and what they need a third party to pull that additional information like Webgility, I don't know what that delta is. I've got a clarifying question too, Robert, or, or maybe Sam, if you know this, but um, I'm not sure if QuickBooks Desktop or Enterprise is natively uh, able to integrate with those platforms. I believe the online versions are, uh, so their SaaS is able to integrate, but I don't believe uh, their desktop versions can natively integrate with those platforms. I could be wrong, but just looking for some clarification there. Robert, it, uh, do you have any answer there, by any chance? No, you're absolutely right. I did. I I apologize. I did not separate out the two because <laughs> I tried to move away from desktop tools. Um, so you're right. The, um, that would be the differentiating factor that I didn't um, take into consideration. And, and just to be clear, QuickBooks Online is really basic. There's no way you can run e-commerce business on QuickBooks Online. 
Okay, you would probably require QuickBooks desktop because that has some bells and whistles. Okay, but there is no, I cannot imagine how you can run uh, e-commerce business on QuickBooks online. You And that's probably the reason why they probably require something else. And that's why Skubana or uh, your Webgility are there in the game. Yeah, that's one of the things I found interesting too was the fact that, and Sam, this goes back to your comments about kind of the look and feel and this feeling a little legacy, you know, to me, it looks like the genesis was they started with QuickBooks desktop uh, with a, you know, on-prem SQL server uh, solution and have then stepped, stepped so, so, so in. I, I want to stop right there. So QuickBooks okay. is not supposed to be SQL server. There is no way in the hell. Okay. QuickBooks is not designed for enterprise system. It uses a very simple file uh, and data integrity. If you're talking about QuickBooks, let's don't worry about that. Okay. Because when you are under $5 million, nobody cares for data integrity. Yeah, <laughs> That's I, why you... <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I was talking about the web, uh, the webgility uh, is, is their back end is on uh, SQL Express. So, um, but, but that, and anyway, my point was just that they have uh, the version that is interfacing with the QuickBooks desktop and, and enterprise. They have what appears to be some sort of SaaS that interfaces with QuickBooks online as well. So they're, they're separating themselves where they're making those connection points, what WebGility is. So th that was the comment on, on the SQL side of things. But outside of that, completely agree with you. Very interesting. So, so uh, okay. So, so basically, you are saying that WebGility is on SQL Express. Yeah, one of the videos that I had seen, uh, and it looks like their uh, basically desktop version of WebGility is is running on SQL Express. Uh, it's in their installation package. They have a, hmm. a video that calls it out specifically. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like there's a couple of different um, solutions, if you will from the WebGility standpoint. And and in one of the videos that I had seen, that was where they kind of specifically called out, uh, you know, being the the kind of source of truth and, and not specific to e-commerce because they had talked about their ability to pull information out of your QuickBooks and and keep WebGility as kind of the source of truth because of the, um, you know, it running on the SQL Express. At least that was my impression based on, on the video that I had watched off of their uh, YouTube channel. Interesting discovery, by the way. And just to be clear, uh, you know, SQL Express is not your SQL Server, you know, enterprise or SQL Server <laughs> core product. It is supposed to be a baby toy product that you use, uh, you know, and again, it is not really designed for the financial application. Again, when you are under $5 million in revenue, who cares for data integrity? Okay, just run your business and get to $10 million somehow. <laughs> and then you figure out your data integrity before that. You don't have to worry about all of that. So, yeah, if you are doing SQL Express, great. Uh, but QuickBooks overall, they are not on SQL database because that will require far more firepower. And some of these businesses, they cannot afford to have you an i7 laptop, to be honest, to run QuickBooks. <laughs> and if you are going to use SQL Server, uh, you know, it might not work. And that's why QuickBooks likes to make it really lean so that, you know, small businesses can really use the product. See, that, putting my IT hat on, that kind of scares me a little bit. Um, you know, years ago, I, I became the, the, the SaaS, you know, web convert when I, when I went through a, a major disaster and we lost access to all of our local machines and all, all of our local data. And so if you're using a desktop version of this and using a desktop version of, of QuickBooks, 
I sincerely hope that that any of these smaller organizations that typically don't have a large, um, if any, IT staff are doing some disaster recovery consideration because if they, it, let's say that you have a, uh, a lightning strike, you know, it's going to fry your machines and fry all your data and trying to build that back up again is just not fun. So in my experience, Robert, the way they handle this is uh, they are going to have a local IT guy who is going to charge $1,000 a month just for that process. And it's going to be a traditional IT process where they are backing up all of the uh, tiny servers that they have <laughs> on-prem and, and the laptop, laptops as well. So that's how they do it. Some people might not even care. They don't even understand you know, why that is important. They are sitting on a risk, but that's okay. When you are a small business, who cares? Yep, just raising the question so those that hadn't considered it maybe think, oh, maybe I need to do something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, guys, moving along. So here is the, the, the screenshot that we were talking about. Obviously, it has very legacy feeling. Uh, you know, in my mind, when I look at this, uh, I think, Dave, you pointed out that this is very QuickBooks desktop. In fact, QuickBooks desktop looks prettier than this. Um, you know, it has slightly more <laughs> native feeling, to be honest, okay, than, than this. This is very, very, very legacy code, uh, you know. Um, so they are doing a lot of different things, and this is where I get confused because they are trying to handle your pick-back ship process. So let's say if you are the e-commerce arm, then you should be handling the booking of the sales order. After that, your pick-back ship, somebody else should be handling. So here you are handling pick-back ship because obviously this is treated as more of the ERP. And then you are simply passing your GLs. And sometimes that could be confusing as well because what you could do is you could ship and then transfer your sales receipt, which is the, I don't know how an accountant or a CFO would feel about that, but you have already shipped, but now you are actually passing your sales receipt and you are recognizing them as sales receipt in your accounting system. But again, if you are not financially mature, if you are $5 million business, you can do whatever you want, okay? But this is not gonna go, let's say if you are $10 million and then if your books need to be audited, these are the red flags that you are going to get uh, from, the, from the auditors. Yeah, I, I think part of this goes back to what you were saying earlier, Robert, in terms of you know that, that integration conflict, right? Because a lot of the channel partners will handle uh, the shipping aspect and, and kind of have that information stored there. So it ends up becoming, you know, a real conflict of what what's the source of truth then? Back to your point, Sam, what's the source of truth with all of this? Because if the, the ultimate goal is to write it back into QuickBooks, uh, you could really be setting yourself up for failure. Uh, by combining too many of these functions into, again, from a user perspective, when you sit through a demo, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can look at all this in, you know, data in one spot. I can control this from one spot and what you end up, uh, you know, unfortunately, maybe uh, too too late is uh, finding yourself impacted significantly, uh, either on your financials, could be, you know, could be in multiple places. So just something to be mindful of. Uh, when you're looking at at any of these solutions. Exactly, guys, could not agree more. So this is what I was talking about overall from the sales receipt perspective. So it seems like the shipping is already done. Then the sales receipt is coming in your accounting system. So in my mind, I think that's the accounting is all over the place. Uh, but again, I don't think, you know, people care for $5 million business as much, uh, you know, because if you actually do the accounting properly, then you are supposed to be doing your sales order, then pick back share, and then finally your invoice, and that actually goes in. Uh, as the accounting business object, 
but here they are calling it as more of the sales receipt. I don't know what that means to be honest. Okay, so that's a very retail term in general. That's not an accounting term. Uh, and they are sending it as the sales receipt inside QuickBooks and they are operating on top of that. And I don't know how the, the matching works uh, after this, but it's very interesting the way they are doing it. You know, you, you just made me think about something really interesting here. At least interesting to me. Everybody else could think it's it's nothing. But, okay, so if we think about a multi-channel partner who is going to be on Amazon and Walmart and eBay and maybe Etsy and Google and Facebook, what's interesting is the things that I see or I have not seen. It may be there. I just haven't seen it in any of the slides or the the, the material that I reviewed is – it doesn't talk about any of the advertising. So there's, there's Facebook advertising, there's Google advertising, there's there's Walmart, there's Amazon. So those are costs that need to go back to the accounting system. I haven't seen that. And, you know, they're only a, touching some of the accounting channels that some of these multi-channel sellers may have. And how are they supposed to get that back in? I didn't see them talk about that. I mean, is it an Excel upload? What are we supposed to do with that? So I don't think that piece is going to be automated, Robert, and that probably does not need to be automated. The reason for that is because it's not going to be as big of a traceable item. So typically the way most companies are going to treat that is, okay, that's your advertising spend. I am giving you $500, do whatever you want. Now, I, you know, they don't necessarily care to track, you know, what was your ROI on what money you are spending. Typically, they are going to do that analysis on a spreadsheet. That's how right. they do But there's the sales on those channels as well, right? So there's, you know, the Facebook marketplace sales, there's the Google uh, marketplace sales, and there's not an integration there for that. So where, how do we get those back in there? Is that a direct QuickBooks to those marketplaces? Is that an Excel, you know, upload? You, how how do we account for those? Because many of these vendors are going to be on those marketplaces. The way I would think is they are probably doing GLs, and they might have some insight there. <laughs> you know, they are yeah, probably I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I agree with you, Sam. It's going to be manual entry stuff, Robert. That uh, you know, and and back to kind of the earlier point, right? When you're not as financially mature, when you have a smaller company, the ability to push those costs in and directly correlate uh, them back to, you know, those channels and and having that that full visibility of what your real cogs is, uh, you have to be financially mature, whether that's having a CFO, whether that's having an accountant, um, you know, to be able to understand and, and be able to see those inputs, uh, you know, impact your, your P&L. Uh, so I, my my guess is it's done manually uh, with you know a limited amount of sophistication. Um, so thing commentary guys. So I'm actually going to move to uh, the other screens that we have. So this is the undo sync feature that we were talking about. Again, in my mind, when you have already hosted to your accounting system, how do you undo? It doesn't work that way. Okay, accounting is not supposed to work that way. <laughs> so you are undoing sync. And, you know, you're, as they pointed out, that your log is gone. And again, I don't know whether they are simply undoing the sales receipt part or they are undoing the posted transaction. In QuickBooks, you can do whatever you want. Nobody cares. <laughs> but that's not how your accounting is supposed to be done. Okay. Obviously, you have a lot of flexibility. In the flexibility, the perspective that they have taken uh, is very interesting as well. It's a very retail perspective. Typically, that's how the retail businesses work. Uh, because they are not going to be identifying the individual order 
own the customers. Typically for them, it's going to be just, okay, here are the products that I'm releasing uh, towards the beginning of the day. Okay, whatever you have sold, just report back to me at the end of the day. And I am simply going to account that as one giant sales order or maybe just the invoice or maybe GL. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, okay, because I am not identifying all of that in my accounting system. And that's where this whole flexibility is there. Whether you want to post groups and daily, weekly, monthly, uh, manually, there are some interesting settings. <laughs> Group by ship date. I don't know why anybody would do that. Uh, <laughs> maybe there is some rationale, uh, but seems like very interesting feature. Uh, group taxable versus non-taxable orders. Again, I think there is going to be a little bit of manual computation required there because when you look at the sales tax, it's a very complicated process. The way it is supposed to be done is you are supposed to be looking at each of the address on your, uh, you know, uh, the, the lines that you are shipping and you need to verify whether that is going to be tax exempt or not. And based on that, you sort of decide whether you should be charging the taxes to your customers and that, that you need to validate in your accounting system. But here, I guess, you know, they are doing whatever they can in their power. And then finally, somebody is doing some manual effort and, and figuring things out. <laughs> okay. Uh, and this is the, the sync, uh, you know, process that they were talking about when you do the real time integration using web hooks. That's a very flaky integration okay the financial systems are not supposed to be integrated using webhook okay don't do that uh HTTP is not the most reliable protocol in the world <laughs> you know overall from the technology perspective if you are designing a scheduler around that good luck <laughs> you know but again when you are you know poor man shop uh, and you don't really have money to be able to invest in the technology that is designed for financial control this is great no problem at all but don't hang on to this for too long. Hey Sam, one of, you had mentioned about the tax. So they are integrated with uh, Avalara, yep. who does do e-commerce sales tax calculations. Um, I've worked with another provider um, who did it as well. So just putting that out there for anybody who's listening, that you're absolutely right. You trying to manually figure that out is a nightmare and can get you fined. So using a you know a, a SaaS tool to do that for you far better. Just to be clear, so Avalara is going to be present in every single ecosystem, whether you are on NetSuite, whether you are on SAP, whether you are on QuickBooks, okay? Avalara provides you the control, but you have to figure out your own processes. If you don't tell Avalara, okay, which address and which product you are charging, <laughs> Avalara yep. cannot do anything. They can tell you if you provide them the right information. So the way yep. the process goes is your Avalara is going to be uh, integrated uh, towards the front end of the process. When you are going to have your order, you are going to be looking at your tax exam certificate. You know, you need to be updating them in your Avalara. And based on that, Avalara is going to tell you whether they are going to be charging the taxes or not. And then finally, you need to verify that once that goes to your accounting. Once you actually close, then it's very, very hard to figure out, okay, which products were sold to which address. <laughs> so you are supposed to be, you know, uh, figuring that out first before you can do your tax computation. But based on the way these screens are structured, it's all, it almost seems that, okay, you are integrating Avalara towards the front end of the process. But in the back end, then you are sending the taxable, non-taxable, maybe for reporting, maybe for reconciliation. But how are you going to reconcile when you just lost the context about the address? So, <laughs> yeah, that will be very interesting to find how they are doing that. Okay, so if you don't have any other comments, so here, this is, again, the way they are doing posting. Obviously, that's a very raw way of doing the posting. It's going directly on the GLs. There is no sort of business rules or the controls uh, that are going to be in between. But, I mean, this is what you get. Uh, when you are using QuickBooks, it's not really designed for 
the financial control uh, processes. Uh, here, they have some very interesting scenarios. When you have payment method is anything, uh, use this transaction type. I don't know what that is. I think it's all they are trying to automate a lot of bookkeeping, I guess. Uh, so that's why they are utilizing all of these rules inside WebGLD. Here, they are saying enable related transactions, purchase orders, credit memo. So yeah, so I think they are trying to relate them and probably post them in one of the GL accounts. Again, I think the, the, the intent here is really to simplify and make the process easy for the QuickBooks bookkeeper. But again, this is not how the commerce accounting is supposed to be done in mind. Um, you know, when you are a small business, nobody cares. But this is, uh, you, you need a little bit more control. That's what I would say to it. Here, uh, and the whole product creation module seems to be very flaky. I don't know how the process is going to work. So, okay, so QuickBooks is going to have its own SKU, and then you are going to have the commerce SKU. So there is, even though they are calling it a source of control, you know, source of truth, but I don't know how that is going to work. Because typically the way the source of truth is going to work is your ERP system is going to be source of truth, at least for the number. Okay, and then everybody else uses that information. If they need to augment it from the marketing perspective, they can augment it, but you have to use the same number that your underlying system is producing. Here, it seems like it's probably going to be some sort of mapping, and that mapping could be very tricky, you know, and that's probably the reason why they have so many different crazy rules. A product is not found to do this. <laughs> that's not how it is supposed to work from the thinking perspective. Okay, I can take some points otherwise. And here, I think they are recording some of the payment fees. So Robert, I don't know if that this answers your question. So this is how they are recording the, the payment fee itself uh, of the credit cards. That's not the marketing spend that you were talking about, but even this needs to be recorded and probably that is required for the transactions. And that's why they are trying to record that but again, it seems all over the place in my mind. Okay, if you actually look at the price, they have priced based on the monthly orders. And in my experience, when I look at the, the price point, these guys also charge about the same. Initially, it might not appear as expensive, but as you grow, they are probably going to be charging the same amount as well because they are bucketing this based on number of orders. So once you are going to be at $5, 10000000 million, you might get far superior system. Uh, about the same cost, I guess. Here, you are going to be using a lot of different systems and they are still not going to work for you. So again, if you are small, uh, you know, you don't have a choice. You have to live with this. But once you grow after a certain point, 10 million dollars, uh, you probably need slightly better systems. Dave, you can probably answer this one. So, and Sam, I'm sure you can as well. I think one of the questions that, you know, some of the viewers may have is, as they're growing and, and and modifying their processes and procedures to continue to adapt the, the tools that they have at hand, how do they identify when it's time to finally break free of the constraints of an existing tool and move to something that's better? Yeah, it's a great question, and uh, I would agree. It's a it's a challenge for a challenge for many people to answer that. Um, you know, and I, I believe, at least based on my experience, it's going to be different for everybody because everybody's going to have a different appetite for, you know, what's important to them. So somebody that has a little bit more of, let's say, an accounting or financial background is probably going to be more apt uh, to be on the uh, more mature financial side and, and probably be willing to invest 
quicker in a you know a, a fully integrated ERP system, knowing that eventually they're going to get there anyway because that's the trajectory of growth that they're on. Uh, somebody that is a little bit less uh, mature financially that is relying on an internal bookkeeper or an accounting team to keep them in the loop of how their company is really performing is going to be less likely, in my opinion, to be investing in in this type of infrastructure. Uh, and those, in in my opinion, again, those types of businesses are probably going to grow at a slower rate. Um, which might not necessarily be bad, but they don't they don't have access to the visibility. And that to me is really what you're purchasing when you when you invest in technology that gives you financial controls. You're really investing in the visibility that it allows you to uh, understand how your business operates, what's uh, profitable, how we can drive those efficiencies uh, forward faster. So, you know, that that's a little slice on it. It's a challenge. Uh, I would I would I would recommend that people, uh, you know, if they are feeling a bit uncomfortable on the financial control side <clears throat> to spend some time learning that because it's very powerful uh, stuff and, and you don't have to be a full blown accountant. Uh, I am not a full-blown accountant, but I know a lot about accounting from my experience, and and I recommend that people learn that because it's really going to help them uh, grow their business in a much faster pace and, and understand why this infrastructure piece, why what we're talking about is so important and um, could potentially get you, you know, really into some trouble uh, when you think you're you're putting a solution in place that's going to help you where this could really hurt you and your money would be better spent uh, down the road. So hopefully that helps. Okay, amazing, guys. So I'm actually going to move to some more slides and then we can take some more comments. So here, uh, you know, one of the things that I noticed is, okay, it integrates with it. Now, that does not make any sense for it. <laughs> Why would you use NetSuite with your WebGility? Okay, if you are already on NetSuite, there is no reason. Okay, literally, there is no reason unless you are afraid of ERP system. And to Dave's point, that there is a learning curve. When you are going to go to any ERP system, you have to learn. You will not be able to relate with the product because you grew up as more of the commerce mindset entrepreneur, but there is a learning process. So either you are going to be learning at $10 million or $50 million, you have to do it anyways. So why not do it at $10 million and do it right? Because once you are at, let's say, $50 million like this, then it's going to be very hard to change those processes because a lot of these processes are going to be result of the limitations that are going to be because of the communication or the way these guys are doing uh, you know, business. That is not how the business is supposed So again, this is a this is a, a complete outlier for me. That, okay, you are using WebGility, but NetSuite makes no sense. Okay, some more. Uh, so they have uh, some integration with uh, Shopify, obviously. And now this is the consistent theme that we have seen uh, with the other platforms as well. So you have integration with Skubana. You have integration with uh, your Shopify. Everybody has these integrations, including QuickBooks as, uh, as per Robert. So it could be very confusing, okay? <laughs> who, who is doing what in the architecture? And that's my personal challenge as well. And the reason why these guys may be building these features is because uh, they want to be just one thing for all, right? I mean, that's why they are building all of these features. But from the business owner perspective, it's going to be very confusing to be able to use. And, and right now, 
they have to use a lot of different platforms. There's no way they can only stay on WebGLT and run their business. They are probably using 15 other tools along with that because the process complexity is probably going to be similar to your enterprise. It's just that you don't have enough money to be able to invest in your enterprise-grade infrastructure. And that's why you have to live with these tools. Some more here. This is very interesting one. So here it's saying item status not in a store. Uh, again, very uh, e-commerce perspective. Typically, you control this process. And in my mind, if you are using Shopify, you should be doing this in Shopify. Shopify is far superior tool for your SKU management, for your inventory management. They have virtual warehouse functionality. That's how you should be controlling. You have multiple store. So why are you not using Shopify for that? And why are you using something else? It would not make any sense. So if you're already on Shopify, Shopify actually has a lot of different things. Use the, the other things that are going to be required. For example, multi-channel management, you definitely require an add-on for that. But things such as your inventory control, Shopify can do far superior job for inventory control than all of these add-ons in so I am going to stop there and I can take some comments here from you guys. I'll, I'll start, Sam. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's definitely interesting what they've put together and what they're trying to do. And from a user perspective, you can see a lot of attractive features. Uh, so I get all of that. Um, you know, what I end up seeing in some of the smaller companies, we talked about, you know, where this fits, right? Sub 5 million, let's say sub 10 million. What, what unfortunately I end up seeing a lot of times is that they think technology is going to save them. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, in a lot of the smaller companies, they don't have a great understanding of what their business processes are. And that's where you have to start. Anytime you're going to look at investing in technology at any size, make sure you have a clear understanding of what your business you know, processes are start to finish and then start asking you know, questions about how this technology is going to impact those processes. Understand how the functionality you know, where, where get back to Robert's point earlier, where you've got, uh, you know, hey, we could do all these cool integrations, understand how that really works and where that process should really live. Not just the fact that you can do it in a platform, make sure you understand where that process really needs to live in the technology that you have. And to your point, if you're already use, utilizing Shopify, let's say, um, you know, you, you more than likely uh, could have better functionality natively and then take that part of the process and figure out a better way to integrate it into your financials. Robert? I agree completely with, with what Dave just said. A lot of these companies, they're homegrown. Their processes are homegrown. They're not using best in class or best practices. They're doing, it's the old adage of you don't know what you don't know. So they're, they're in a vacuum and they're doing the best they can. And they think they've got a really good process and they put these things together because they just don't know any better. And they think they're doing really great. And at some point they get to a level, it's like, okay, we want to grow bigger. And, and they think that they're further along than they really are. And so they hire a consultant like Dave, Hey, you know, help us or, or Sam help us. You know, we, we want to get to the next level. Let's bring in an ERP, you know, because we've been told that this is going to help us, you know, double our size. And suddenly you find this lack of process because it's people processing technology that supports them. And they, they, they are all over the place. And so I would, you know, one of the things that I've been talking to folks about recently is, you know, the American companies have gotten away from training their employees. They basically just let them, you know, flail on their own and come up with whatever. 
back in the day, it's, you know, you train them to do what they wanted to do. And I think we need to bring that back and start training our employees how to build these things out from a best practices standpoint. So you don't hit this wall and suddenly you have to push everything off a ledge and start fresh. Just my two cents. Dave? Yeah, I I agree with you, Robert. It's a real challenge. And, um, Part of the issue stems from, I think, some some poor leadership practices over the course of time. And, uh, you know, frankly, I, I think some of it, it ends up involving just the fact that uh, we're disconnected, you know, from a, from a people standpoint. Right. Um, and so the people that are doing these tasks, right, these tasks, these processes, they're already making the workarounds kind of to your point. They're figuring it out because they're looking for the easiest solution. So by engaging, engaging the people that are doing the heavy lifting, engaging the people that are, are trying to figure out the processes themselves by listening to them, you're going to fully understand, you know, what, what flaws you have in the overall process. You can start to, to, um, you know, tackle that. And chances are you can use existing technology with that uh, solution. So start there first, not saying there's never a place to upgrade technology or or have an add on like Webgility, but just make sure you understand that process. Listen to your people, uh, and that's you're going to be <laughs> leaps and bounds ahead of your competition if you do those couple of things. If you are in that sub $5 million range, uh, you know, this could be a great product. Uh, but don't expect to get, you know, inventory or the financial control out of a product when you are not really paying for it. Okay. It is not designed to do that. So go nice and go easy on yourself that you are buying something just to get to a point where you can afford uh, the, the the real system that is going to provide you all that, uh, you know, financial control and the inventory control and the inventory visibility the way you would want. So make sure you keep that in mind when you are going to be on that system. Uh, if you joined uh, for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet um, every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we review one vendor or the solution independently, and we are going to be here next week with another vendor or the solution. So make sure you guys are not going really to miss next week's show. Uh, again, thanks everybody for your time and insights tonight. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully, you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the Chrysler.club. It's T H E C L Y S L E R dot C L U B. If you want to learn more about Robert Brown, head over to R G B E Commerce dot com. It's R G B E C O M M E R C E dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Ken Novak who shares his insights on enabling self-funded operational plans for industrial manufacturers' digital journey. Also, the interview with Phil Kerper, who shares his insights into executing on DTC strategy. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. 
For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.